0: But it's, uh, it's Good Friday, and uh, I love these dates in our Christian calendar. I mean, we think about Jesus and what he's done every day, uh, so don't think, oh, we only pull out the story of Jesus dying and rising again at Easter time. We, I think we talk about it quite regularly in this church, uh, particularly going through the Gospel of John. We're talking about Jesus pretty much every Sunday when Anita preaches or whatever she preaches, it's about Jesus, uh, because why not? He's our cornerstone. He he's the cornerstone of our faith, and what we celebrate and remember today is so significant and pivotal uh, to our Christian uh, beliefs. But before um, before I get into it, I was sent by someone who will remain nameless uh, a joke um, today. I <laughs> <laughs> might have just looked at him. Yeah. <laughs> so if this falls flat on its face, I'm not saying who sent it to me, but no. if you can sort of see where my eyes are. <laughs> And if you can see the head that's starting to go a little bit red, that bald spot on the top there. <laughs> uh, so Pontius Pilate, right? You, you know who he is, hopefully. Uh, he, he said, Joseph of Arimathea, I don't understand. You're the richest man in the region. You've made this brand new tomb. We sung about it. Jesus got buried. In. You've made this brand new tomb for you and your family, and now you're giving it to Jesus? Yeah. he's rich. No, Joseph just said don't worry, mate, it's just for the weekend. <laughs> well done. That's, a, that's a genuine laughter, I think, Steve, so it's all good. Oh, I just said Steve. I've just incriminated the person that sent it to me. All right, it's a good Friday. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Joseph said, don't worry, mate, it's only Friday, but Sunday's coming. Yeah. James Merritt said, normally, people are remembered for what they accomplish during their lives. The things they did to make a difference, good or bad, in the lives of others. That's probably true, isn't it? When you have funerals, you're talking about the good things that they did, and, uh, and that's how they're remembered. You know, we know of someone, say, like George Washington was the first president of the United States, if you know your history. He was a famous general in the Revolutionary War. Benjamin Franklin and electricity. Those of you that know your history know what happened there. Uh, Steve Irwin and his work with crocodiles. Crocky. Crikey! So that's what he's known for, you know, uh, Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, there are thousands of names that I could stand here and mention today uh, from history who, who are known for their accomplishments, the great things that they've done, uh, their talents, their gifts, what they did in their life. Uh, and as we gather today on Good Friday, I think it's, it's so important that we're reminded of the most significant thing that Jesus accomplished and his greatest accomplishment uh, was actually accomplished with his death. And it's been about 2,000 years since Jesus left this earth physically, and the centerpiece of our faith really is Christ, he's the cornerstone, that's what I've referred to him many times already this morning. And, and, and he really is a symbol of our faith, because that's whom we trusted, Jesus. Uh, and, and we don't remember the cradle that he was born in, you know, or the crown. Of thorns, you know, Those things are significant. But what we do remember is the cross. What he was crucified on. Crucifixion was so brutal and so barbaric. It was actually abandoned over 1,500 years ago because of how how brutal it was. So today we remember that... Remember member? Did say remember remember Before you remember member today, it's me saying remember, remember. <laughs> No. Today we remember... That Jesus came to die. So let's have a look at the screen. Can we get the the light melody? That would be good for the second one. And let's have a look at this. led like a lamb to the slaughter yet he did not open his mouth the Lord laid on him the iniquity the sin the imperfections the mistakes the iniquity of us all were laid on him yes we remember this Good Friday that Jesus the Son of God died left in his wake apparent disorder can you imagine when he died just the chaos the disciples who've been walking with him—we've been talking about it as we go through the Gospel of John. We're not quite up to where he's crucified yet. You can just imagine because they've had this journey with Jesus, this season with him, and he's just always been there. <coughs> and then all of a sudden, he's not. The confusion. You know, Jesus' own words: "I'll always be with you." You know, he's pre- repeated promises to the disciples that he'd never leave them. Yet in the moment that he died on the cross, there would have been chaos, disorder. But I said it before, Sunday was coming and Christ was to be risen, bringing order to our disorder, order to our chaos, a way to triumph over death, over sin, over that stronghold that was in our lives and live a victorious life in Jesus' name. There was a preacher that once said like this, his death prearranged, prophesied and provided by God was no afterthought. It didn't just throw together and that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. Jesus was born with the shadow of the cross upon him his entire life because he knew what was coming. Can you imagine living your life knowing that death was coming and not just death, we've already talked about a Crucifixion is a horrific way to die having that in your mind, knowing it's coming, yet still living the life that Jesus lived. Fully man, fully God. With the shadow of the cross upon his heart, he learned to walk, he learned to talk, he learned to work. From his earliest moment upon this earth, it was his burden by day and his burden as he went to bed. <clears throat> Jesus came to die, but I want to ask these questions today. Not, not just why did Jesus die, because I think most people in the room probably know Christianity 101 and why Jesus died but why would we say that his death was his greatest accomplishment and to answer that question I want us to turn our attention just to one verse today I've got it on the screen 1 Peter 3 verse 18 I want to talk today about three reasons why Jesus death was his greatest accomplishment so 1 Peter 3 verse 18 says for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Once for sins. I like how the Bible, you can read it and interpret it as it is written. It says once. That means it's done. That means he doesn't need to come and do anything else again. It doesn't mean you need to do anything else. It doesn't mean... It's done. Once for sins. Christ suffered once and dealt with it all. Why did Jesus die? He died for sin. He died because of sin. He didn't die for sins that he had because he didn't have any. So he came and he died for my sin, for your sin. He died for our sin. The sin of the world. If you're wondering what sin is defined as, it's our decision to disobey God and live life on our own terms. So whatever that area of your life is where you've got the reins and you're not handing it over to him, that's called sin because we're not living life according to his promises, calling, leading, direction, all that. We're doing it on our terms. Some of us give, you know, maybe eighty percent of the reins over, but I'll just hold on to this little bit. We've all done it because, you know, I want to be in control in this area right now because I've got what it takes to sort this out. We've all done it. We will still do it, and we'll all probably do it tomorrow. God doesn't want us living life on our own terms because that places us in a very dangerous position. It places us under the wrath of God. I don't want to be in that place. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be there. Our sinful and deliberate rebellion against God earns for us the unimaginable horror of death, hell, and eternity where we would be separated from God. And that is not a pretty place. We're not righteous, and we never can be. Not in our own strength. We struggle and we strive. You know, the culture of the world is earn and you'll get. We go to work, we earn a wage. We go to school, we earn good grades, we're good to our parents, we earn favour, pocket money. (laughs) He's busy. But we cannot attain perfection by our own merit. Because this in itself is an impossibility. We just can't. Not only are we not righteous, there's nothing we can do about it in our own strength. We can't change that situation. We can't fix the problem of sin in our own power and strength. You know, Ephesians 2 uh, verses 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You, know, you get given gifts at Christmas time or your birthday or whatever. You haven't earned that thing because if you've earned it, it's not a gift because you've worked for it. A gift is freely given, not based on works, but because the person giving it loves you. Jesus is our gift of grace. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus. And he gives us that gift. You don't earn it. You don't tick boxes. You don't dress the right way when you come to church and say the right words when you're in front of church people and then go home and be something else. It's not about that. It's about Jesus loves you so much and God loved the world so much he gave his only son for you. If you would just believe in him, you're not going to perish, like we've been talking about, but you will have everlasting life. John 3.16. Romans 3.20 also says this. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. We, we can't try and live our life religiously and follow the rules and tick the boxes, like I said. We can't. You can do that, but it doesn't, that's not what pleases him. By grace, we have been saved. You know, our sinfulness and inability to do anything about our own righteousness is a huge part of the gospel. Apart from Christ, we are desperate and without hope. While man's hopeless condition is a huge part of the gospel story, it's not all the gospel story. But wait, there's more. Steak knives. No. There's another part and another side of the gospel. So, so Tim Keller in his book Reason for God, I don't know if you've read it, um, it says this. Here's the gospel. You are more sinful than you ever dared believe and you are more loved than you ever dared hope. Mm-hmm. I'll say it again. Here's the gospel. You are more sinful than you ever dared believe. You know, you meet those people, hey, I'm a pretty good person. I, I do the right things. I've got my manners and... I treat people with respect and they think they're a good person without Christ. But you are more sinful than you ever dared believe or acknowledge or know. And you are more loved than you ever dared hope. No one could ever love me. You don't understand my past, uh, pastor. You don't understand what I've been through, the mistakes I've made, the things I've done. Well, maybe I don't, but God does. And he loves you more than you ever dared hope, despite everything you've done. How do we measure the size of a fire? You know, if, if, if there's a fire, how do you measure the size of it? You usually do that by the number of firefighters and fire engines that are sent to fight against it. That's a good indication. It was around in 2019 when it hit the corner of our property here, and there were a lot of firefighters down here and re, you know regional guys that were just battling this thing. And then the wind changed because God's awesome and took it away from all of us and the residential area. So that was a big fire. How do we measure the seriousness of a medical condition? Well, by the amount of risk, I guess, the doctors are taking to prescribe medication or surgical procedures that need doing or all those sort of things. That sort of explains the seriousness and how big that thing is. How do we measure the gravity of sin and the incomparable vastness of God's love for us? By looking at the magnitude of what God has done for us in Jesus gave His one and only Son for us, the Son of God, who became like a common criminal for our sake and in our place because we deserved that punishment, but God took it on our behalf. Such a miracle that God did at Calvary. let have a look at it. The cross that held Jesus's body naked and marked with scars exposed all the violence and injustice of this world and our sin. That's what the picture was demonstrative of. Demonstrative demonstrative. Jacqueline's not here to help me out. (laughs) At once the cross revealed what kind of world we have and the kind of people that we are. It also revealed what kind of God we have, a God of immeasurable sacrificial love. You know the radical and unimaginable answer to our sin problems is seen in the cross. We could do nothing to fix it. Not in our own strength. Can't fix our condition. We couldn't solve it. We try. Don't want to be sexist, but particularly us blokes, we're problem solvers. We like But there's girls out there like that too. But we, we like to fix problems, and maybe you can relate to that. You're always trying to be the problem solver, and we need to let him solve the problems. We could do nothing to erase one shade of sin's dark stain on our we couldn't work hard enough or long enough to earn a place in heaven, and we could never perform enough acts of, I guess, penance. I'm sorry, God, to, to piece together our broken relationship with with Him. So, what could we possibly do? What a great question to ask. Thanks for asking that. I'll continue. Let's look at what God does, rather than focusing on what can we do. Let's look at what God does. God sent His Son to die in our place. And we saw the scripture at the start that I just shared. We're going to look at it again. And and I want you to let it sink in because we're moving on to the second reason why Jesus' death was his greatest accomplishment. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So the innocent dies for the guilty. We're all part of the guilty because we have the sinful nature. The innocent is Jesus. We all deserve what he got because he was innocent, but he took our place. I've heard it said this way before, that there wasn't two thieves on the cross that day next to Jesus, but there was actually three thieves there on that day. Like, where's he going with this? (laughs) The one in the middle took something that didn't belong to him. He took our sin. His sacrifice was sufficient, and there never needs to be another payment for sin. Once for sins. He drank down every drop of God's wrath against sin, against us, and turned the cup of God's wrath over. And and, and then he said the, the great words It is finished. Done and dusted, as us Aussies would probably say. Is that what we say? Is that Aussie slang? and dusted, mate. Finished. The work is done. How do we know the payment of his sacrifice was acceptable and sufficient for the forgiveness of our sin? I'll tell you how we know. The tomb is empty. That's how we know. The grave is shattered. He is alive. That's how we know that it was enough. Why is Jesus' death his greatest accomplishment? He died for our sins. The just gave life for the unjust. The innocent paid the price for the guilty. But there is a third reason that describes why Jesus' death was his greatest accomplishment. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, that he might bring us to God. The whole reason Jesus came, the whole purpose behind his visitation here as fully man and fully God, was that we would be drawn back to God the Father. I was going to get a picture I didn't remember to in time, but a picture of our dog. Most of you have seen our dog, pokey Quite vicious, really. Oh yeah, He's a killer. It's this little white fluff ball of a thing. So he likes to think she's pretty vicious, eh? And uh, whenever anyone approaches our home, if you've approached our home, you've heard poking. So she's this little fluff ball. She's just tiny, but man, she's got a bark. So you might be approaching our door, she'll bark at you. You might be walking past our street, she might bark at you. You might be coming down the road that's around the corner and she'll bark at you. She might sense that someone could possibly be coming and she'll just bark anyway. That's what she does. Why? Because, this is amazing, but dogs are really good judgments of character. We've seen this, haven't we, where different ones come to the door. Like if it's the postie, she doesn't really let up. She barks and barks and barks. Now if she gets to manage to get her way out to the door and sniff their foot and know that everything's okay, well, everything's fine. But if she doesn't get to do that, she just barks. So if you're from our church and you've come, you know, she barks, when you come in, she sniff her hand or foot, whatever. They're like, yeah, I can trust you, that's all good. It's all about your character. Dogs are brilliant judges of character. And uh, I think it's similar in the way we approach God. God can sniff out our character, <laughs> just like Toki, in a way. Now, because of our lack of righteousness, we couldn't just walk into God's presence and expect to be accepted without accepting Jesus as our righteousness on our behalf. See, our lack of character and sin would have been met at the door by God's holy wrath and we would not have been allowed to pass on our own and in our own strength. So that person that thinks they're a good person, but I don't really need that God stuff. That's who I'm talking about here. They might be a good person, but they don't have Jesus. And they need him to access what we're talking about. The only way we gain entrance into God's presence is when Jesus Christ comes and wraps us in his grace. Gives us the righteousness and ushers us into God's presence and saying, this and saying this one is with me. It's like when I let someone in and I let Pokey smell them. I say, it's all right, Pokey, they're with us. They're friends, it's all good. And she calms down. We need to allow Jesus to wrap his arms of grace around us. Fill us with his righteousness because we can't get it in our own strength and ability. And then we'll be embraced when we walk. Through those pearly gates. You know, today we remember, we're going to gather around communion. Does everyone have communion? Did you grab it on the way in? Does anyone need it? Anyone? Uh, we'll get... Um, Steve, Steve will sort that of. out. If you need communion, just put your hand up. We'll get you communion. If you're at home, you can be taking communion at home. Uh, online with whatever you've got. Last night's pizza. Half, half a can of Coke. Whatever it is. Doesn't matter. It's just the symbolism that we're about to celebrate. We're getting communion to people. So today we remember that sacrifice and the privilege it has provided is what we celebrate today. The, 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 the sacrifice and privilege provided by what Jesus has done is what we celebrate today. What God has done for you and for me. You know, it would be wrong and it would be sinful for us to come to this table Without having turned our hearts and minds to this great truth that Christ took our place. So let me be very clear as we gather around the communion table, think on that. Jesus took your place. It would be wrong and it would be sinful if we came to this table without stopping to examine ourselves before the Lord. Anytime we gather around communion, I mean, we don't spend half an hour in silence and whatever, but. We need to have that approach and that stance and that position of God, I'm just a filthy rag without you. I've sinned. I've done wrong. I've said the wrong words. I've done the wrong actions. Whatever it is for you, it's different for everyone. But we need to reflect on that. We need to reflect on our humanness and realize our need to be filled and covered by the blood of Jesus and what He's done. Be filled with His grace, His acceptance, because He forgives you of your sin. You know, the wages of sin is death. But because of Jesus, we can have everlasting life because he takes that penalty for us. And so let's take time in this moment to examine ourselves and go, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I need you, Jesus. Wash me clean. Forgive me. Help me to be a better Christian because we can't do it without him. When we come to God's table, we should come to the table clean. We're never worthy of... Only Jesus makes us worthy. But we can come clean. And to come clean, it's acknowledging, Jesus, you're my Lord, and you wash me clean. There's nothing I can do to be clean enough for you. You make me clean. So today, search your heart. There may be things you need to seek forgiveness for. It may simply be that you need to prepare your heart for what you're about to do. So do that this morning. You know, when we come to the table of the Lord, we come as family. This is a family. No one's better than no one else. Everyone is welcome and accepted here. I love that we have our seasonal workers that come. We really, you are a blessing to us because it reminds us that the world is filled with all types of people and we're all loved by Jesus the same. And, and he loves you and treasures you today as much as he loves and treasures every kind of person. But it's just cool to have that multicultural kind of feel in our church and it reminds us that no matter your size your shape your color your culture your history jesus loves us all the same and he accepts us and embraces us when we put him first in our lives it's so good so we're family all different kinds you know when you gather around the table at Family celebrations, you've got all different kinds, haven't you? Different personalities. Some you get along with, some, oh, I don't want to sit next time. Second uncle or whatever. He's a bit dodged. Whatever. But your family. And you know what? If one of you was in trouble, generally the concept of family is they would step in and, and help. I know not everyone's blessed with a family like that, so I acknowledge that as well. But that's the idea of church family. When one of us is struggling, we're all here to hold each other's arms up, support each other. This celebration is only for those who belong to God by faith. And that's my prayer, that every person that's about to have communion online at home or in the house today understands that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour. You are forgiven, you are treasured, you are valued, you are loved, you are set free from past mistakes and, and bad choices and you can now live the free life that Jesus promises you because you're putting him first in your life. This table that we're about to go to is very different. This table of the Lord isn't just where sinners can find Christ but it's where sinners celebrate being found and that's what we celebrate today this God for good Friday God Friday it's a God Friday it's also a good Friday but I want us to reflect take a moment and just encounter Jesus afresh today knowing that we've been found Jesus found us we found him And now we can celebrate that newness of life together. So take a little bit of bread Mm -hmm. this morning. Take the bit of juice in a moment. But I want to pray before we uh, partake this morning. Father God, we come with humble hearts today. We reflect on your goodness, on all that you've done for us, and the very fact that you've found us. We celebrate that today. Lord, you, you, you did all that you did for me, for each one here. And we are so grateful and so thankful and so astounded that you would give your life. So, Lord, we just remember your body broken, your blood poured out. We celebrate your goodness in our lives today. Lord, we reflect and we come to the table clean because you've washed us clean. Help us, God, because we are sinners and we need your cleansing. And so, God, we thank you for making us clean and making us free from condemnation and allowing us to live that new life that you came and died for so that we could walk victoriously each and every day because of what you've done. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Take and eat and drink.